Andy Roar surrounds the stadium. Now he's digging deep. The crowd is roaring. Their hero is coming on. Will it be a fairy tale? Now it is cemented for Michael Diamond. And there in the middle, and the crowd erupts. Australia win! New world record! This is a famous victory, a magnificent performance. We have just broken the American stranglehold on this race. The roof is lifting off this stadium. The, the winner is, 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 is. It's all about a fair go for those who have a go. G'day and welcome to the Have A Go podcast, special Olympics edition uh, my name is Dave Edwards, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dane Eldridge. Dane, welcome to the program, mate. Happy Olympics. How are you going? I'm fantastic, mate. Very excited about today's guest. Well, that's right, mate. It is a special episode today because we're in the presence of Olympic greatness. Uh, today's guest. Let me, let me set it up. He's earned three Paralympic gold medals, two Olympic silver medals, seven world titles. He's crawled the Kokoda Trail. He's crewed the winning yacht in the 2011 Sydney to Hobart. He's got an order of Australia medal, and most importantly, uh, he's been a guest host of Play School. <laughs> Australia, welcome to the Have A Go podcast, Kurt Fernley. Hey there, guys. How you doing? Very good. Mate, we're great. Thank you very much for coming on. Just on that Play School appearance, which I, which I saw before coming on, you, you took a bunch of kids on a bear hunt on national TV. I mean, if you did that today, obviously, you'd be cancelled for cruelty to animals. <laughs> did any sponsors threaten to pull their endorsements after that went to air? It was a little rough on Big Ted. I'm not going to lie to you, but, but there was a there was a run back from the final cave that I went through all the way back to the start, and let's just say the stunt double of Big Ted didn't pull up very well. Just <laughs> say that I've always heard a few rumours about Big Ted. I know you hear rumours in show business, but are the rumours true? Any any truth to those rumours? Well, uh, let's just say there's there's a there's a bit of a funky smell smell to Big Ted, you know. <laughs> You don't do that many years in uh, in in the uh, TV realm without mm. having a few few skeletons in the closet. So you can see the Daily Telegraph headline tomorrow: Big <laughs> Ted in trouble, uh, mate. So the the Tokyo twenty twenty games they're finally here. It's a little bit different this time around. No crowds, strict rules around social distancing, uh, but we're doing all right, Australia. What do you make of the games so far? And 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 are you glad they pushed ahead with it despite the possibility of Armageddon? <laughs> Um, this is the first times that, that I've, that I've had a games where I'm not terrified about my experience in two weeks time. So to, to, to sit down and enjoy the, the events, enjoy everyone else's experience. It's something that I haven't had for nearly 30 years. Uh, I have loved it. Uh, the, the, the morale of the team, the, 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 the team is just so extremely humble, um, and successful. They're, 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 they're kind of, they're, they're nailing it. Um, and also I think that there is this added layer of, uh, emotion attached to it because, because of the hardship that, are, that people are going through, because the additional layers of hardship that the athletes had to go through, that I find there's a really emotional element to these games as well. Um, but the, 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 pool is well, we're already up to seven gold medals with a few extra to look forward to over the next couple of days, big possibilities with another couple that was so close. Uh, so, so look, we, we, we got eight gold medals from the last yeah. two games. We're at seven. Uh, yep. I think they're performing really well and just the way they're winning it, the way they're talking, uh, I've, I've loved this experience. I've loved the games. 
Yeah, so I think seven gold medals and 12 profanities we're up to now. So and I'm, I'm looking forward to a few more over the coming days. Um, but uh, look, as a, as a formal professional athlete, Kurt, I mean, how tough do you think it's been for our Olympians, you know, having such a interrupted lead in to these games? I mean, I've read that our athletes only get about 10 minutes to eat their meals in the, in the Olympic Village. I mean, um, no, I mean, other than setting them up nicely for the, all the challenges on I'm a celebrity, get me out of here that they may uh, have to encounter in the future. I mean, how difficult do you actually think it would be uh, for these guys uh, going through what they've gone through? The key is just discipline. The, the, the entire lead up and you know one of the one of the biggest joys that i've had now that i've stopped racing is when you reduce this discipline out of your life everything else is better i don't know whether you guys know this but there's this delicious thing called gin and tonic which because <laughs> of this you have heard of it mate yeah. it's it's really good. Yeah. Um, I've always maintained <laughs> discipline with that drink, as in oh, I always yeah. have three, three a day. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 30 mils only at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Look, the, the, the little pieces around the edge, which is what that, uh, what that really is, you know, limiting your time in the dining hall, limiting the amount of interaction that you have with athletes from other countries, that's all just that, that tiny little part of preparation. I don't think that would be a huge... Um, a huge hindrance for the athletes. I, I do think that the enjoyment immediately after a games th that's yeah. going to be that's that's going to be a challenge because you put your life into this thing, you know, for yeah. four or five years. You put everything that you have into it, and it's it's uh, it's it's a hard thing to describe because you're fortunate enough to be doing something that's bigger than you, and and, and then when it's done there's always a, a bit of a cliff that you come off. Like you always do have this bit of a, it's, it's, it's done now moment. Um, yep. They're going to have to do that moment on their own in hotel quarantine, in a room <laughs> yeah. with no oxygen. You know, that, yeah. that is going to be really, really tough. That's where, that's where I think it's going to be really challenging but all the other bits and pieces yeah. that's just been their preparation for the last 18 months just an additional layer of disciplines required so that two weeks of quarantine on the end is two weeks of um i guess lost money from corpies that could have been performed immediately <laughs> upon return so, oh, they'll be there they'll be there waiting but that's that's also the un, unexpected thing about the olympic athletes and the paralympic athletes is that 90 percent of them are are not earning money yeah, ninety percent of them are doing this because they believe it's 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 bigger than themselves. You know, so um, you're but you're right. The, the the two or three that have just nailed these games. Oh, it's a oh. real feast or famine thing for just as an outsider, you know, viewing what the Olympian experience might be like. I mean, there's for every yeah person on the front of an Uncle Toby's box, there's another one, you know, desperately trying to figure out what comes next in life. Correct and. If you're out there doing it so that you are potentially that one person, I don't see how you get through. Uh, you know, like it's just, <laughs> yeah. it is so challenging that yeah. you want to make sure that there's other, uh, there's other things that you're chasing rather than a buck. And I would say, I would say 90% of that team, even more, uh, believing that this moment is bigger than them and they're kind of burying themselves for it. Yeah. Not like me. I did it all for the bucks. Hundred <laughs> percent. I've seen the tax returns. <laughs> so, look. I mean, you mentioned the village vibe before. I mean, I just want to take you back because part of this podcast is all about just 
washing ourselves in relentless nostalgia over Sydney 2000. So, I mean, you were just 18 years of age when you competed there. You know, you're young, you're in the prime of your life. It's your first Olympics on home soil. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like? I mean, I know you probably can't reveal too much unless we pay $10,000 a table at a corporate <laughs> function, but can you give us a glimpse of what Sydney 2000 was like? I was, uh, it was degrees of overwhelmed. I'd never raced in front of probably 500 people before. Then we had 118,000 people. I got to race in the the Olympics and the Paralympics, so also getting yep. that real cultural difference within the team because there was a demonstration race for the Olympics as well. Um, mm. Being out there, 118,000 people, knowing that the country is all looking at you for this one moment and... You know, you're, for the first time, for me, you're playing a part in that, you know, in that foundation of the Paralympic movement. Um, you're just constantly overwhelmed um, yep. and a little bit terrified. I, I remember throwing up in the call room. Uh, I remember shaking because you, you're, you're sitting in your chair wearing nothing but a lycra, right? And there's 118,000 <laughs> people there. there there's, there's tens of millions of people watching on telly and everything's shaking out of control. And then I remember the gun going off and yep. nothing in the world existed by that race. And I just, I, I fell in love with that experience, you know, trying to create those moments where, where, you know, everything feels like it's so chaotic around you and you, you need to make it perfect. Mate, yeah. I've got chills just absolutely listening to that. And I mean, I thought the chills I get just YouTubing old Sydney 2000 moments, which I do daily, uh, could never be topped, but that's given us a, an exceptional insight. Chills, mate, go and get your COVID. Go and get your COVID <laughs> test. Come on. That's a, sim that's a <laughs> symptom. That's a symptom. more to um, just the experience in Sydney and probably more so to, to subsequent Olympics. I mean, there's so much uh, mythology around the, the athlete's village um uh, can you give just a couple of laymen a bit of an a bit of an insight i mean i'm just picturing like uh you know bathtubs full of ice and tinnies and just someone a couple of surfers playing the guitar and sitting around and just you know drinking your drinking a few cans you know and then you're like oh five minutes till i compete better get out of here um <laughs> you know what's it like in there it completely depends on what day it is you go in in day one right. and everyone's prancing and you know like it's it's either excitement or nerves and everyone's sitting and waiting and you know you're looking at people you've only seen on tv and you you've you've got this really kind of um really tense but exciting experience uh up until day 15 and then it's just debauchery it's uh it's <laughs> it's sodom and gomorrah you know like it is no it, it's um it is you've made friends with people that you've seen as just legends mm. uh you're you're celebrating you're commiserating you're you're, you're sharing yarns um but it is it is really funny to see just the shift in uh in atmosphere over over a 15 day period and people are going through really amazing life-changing moments but also some people are just devastated yeah yeah sounds um, amazing yeah. <laughs> um, it's a pretty special pretty special place yeah just uh just on to another couple of uh just to change shift a bit onto some um technological malfunctions i know uh, you won your first Paralympic gold in Athens in 2004, but you did this and get this as despite popping a tyre five kilometres from the finish line, which is astonishing. I mean, these days, most, most athletes would probably just throw in the towel. I mean, um, and it's not just the tyre. I mean, we all know anyone born before uh, after 1995 can't change a tyre. So 
and I've actually had my number blocked by the NRMA. That's a, to a side, but uh, just I mean, just the sheer disappointment of having something occur so um, in one of the biggest races of your life. How do you sort of bounce back from something like that? When it first happened, you just get you know every doubt that you had kind of gets escalated and and it, and it kind of just starts to creep up on you. But you're there to deal with discomfort. You dare you're there to deal with hardship. You know, and especially if you're doing a marathon. You, that's that's your job um <laughs> when it when it did you just let out a few swear words but then you just fire up more yeah. and your blood pressure skyrockets your heart rate skyrockets um and and you just kind of beg for that finish line to come as well yeah and that's you, you're in this mixture of just so intense and screaming but then just kind of pleading for it all to be over as well that sounds like good fun. Um, no, I mean, obviously, you know, the way that you speak about it, I mean, resilience is obviously a, a real feature of your career. And, you know, I was looking over your, 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 your bio and I saw that in similar to kind of what Dane's question was in the New York Marathon in 2011, you had a steering issue, which meant that the brake was permanently on, but you still completed that marathon. Like, did the manufacturers do a product recall after that or is the chair still available <laughs> on the market? What, what happened with that, that product? Uh, so it, it, anything can happen when you're out in a race. You actually drill the chair out to be so light that it's all just made for speed, but not made for. Uh, uh, it's not as robust as what yeah, the majority right. of the chairs are out there. Oh, being. okay. So you're always on that edge. Um, that time is that it, legal? It, I, I went over the edge. Let's let's move on. It's going to say we're not too late to take those medals away. Um, no, no, it's definitely it's part of the game. The, yeah. the game the game is about manipulating your body and also manipulating the equipment as far as to, as you can without putting some form of motor in it. Have a go. The hottest product of this summer for men. Les Stallions. <laughs> Put it on. Wear it. Unofficial tinea cream of the Tokyo Olympics. Sales, like life, is a marathon. Qualifying a lead or logging an opportunity. This is racing. Well, this is true racing. Shalane knows what this is. Trial accounts, pipelines, quotes. As Ed said, he is sprinting into the history books here. They're cheering him on. Handshake. Commercial terms. This humble, this humble farmer who used to run two miles to school every day and back. He used to go to the nearest town on his bike to sell milk at the local market. And now, through hard work and discipline, he's pointing. Come on, he says. Legal approval. without a complete collaborative view of customer engagement and success. Deals Force, the unofficial, unsanctioned customer relationship management software of Tokyo 2020. Where do you go for Australia's biggest range of freezers, fridges, laundry, kitchen appliances, barbecues, and etc.? Hello, Harvey Norman. Appliance legends. That's who. Oh, right, I got it. We ain't jerking, that's the way we do it. Lowest price and free delivery. 
You ain't working, that's the way we do it. Put it on lay by 60 months interest free. That oven ain't working, warranty not included. Our business ethics are fucking scum. Maybe get yourself a second hand toaster. Maybe get second degree burns on your thumb. We gotta move these microwave ovens before we hit insolvency. Please come and buy our refrigerators. Please come and buy your color TV. Appliance legends, save us from insolvency. It's all about a fair go for those who have a go. Oh, 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 oh stop faffing around. Round, round. Just say what you want to say. Say. Isabel is ha- ha- having a baby. Baby, baby, baby. And I am the father. I do realize, real, real, realize it's a big shock, 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 shock. Life has a habit of doing that. We talked about the pressure before. I mean, just to to get newsy, just for one one question, we did see Simone Biles pull out of the gymnastics, saying she wasn't in the right headspace. And there's obviously all this pressure for perfection at the Olympics. I mean, we talk a lot on this podcast about, you know, how the Olympics is so incredibly cutthroat, and there's no second chances. I mean, how on earth does anyone get in the right headspace? to compete when there is that much pressure, that much attention globally? I would say the, major- the majority of the athletes that I know are intrinsically motivated. They're, they're, they're motivated by their goals that they throw out, by their expectations, you know. Like, I could finish a race and be applauded for six months, but if I know that there was something in there that I did wrong, I, I'll kind of detest it. Or yeah. vice or vice versa. Like some, I've I've come off a podium and I've had somebody come up to me and say that looked like you didn't really want that, you know. But <laughs> yeah. in my head, it was as good as I could go at that moment, and I'm I was just so yeah. happy with it as well. Uh, so I think that I think that everybody just needs to take their own their, their their own ideas of why they're doing it, what they want out of it, and then and then act accordingly from there and. I, I I would never put expectations on another mm. athlete, and uh, I would uh, I, I would just hope that all of them decide what it is that they're doing, what they want out of it, and then follow their own path. I mean, you you're an athlete who I mean, your career started before social media. I mean, it was a wonderful time before social media. I think we can all agree <laughs> that. Mm. But you know, the latter part of your career, obviously, you know, socials in full flight. I know you've got an Instagram account. Um, is it, was that a little bit different if you reflect back to Sydney 2000, you know, obviously the utopia of pre-social media and all the attention you get, um, you know, the, the 24 seven attention, people tweeting and having their opinions and just openly sharing them. That's got to have some impact as well on, on professional athletes, but it's particularly at the Olympics. Social media has been great. It, it really, it has been until you're the villain. And people always like to say, you know, always like to say that that whatever, oh, who cares about what people say? And it's a great thing to say until oh, yeah. you get in a hundred messages saying you're an asshole, and then it's <laughs> and then it's and then it's like, oh, please you know, like me, <laughs> you know, like it. It it, it it can be, and you can only block of... them as well. You can't like beat the shit out of them. You don't know who <laughs> these people are most of the time, so it's it's quite frustrating. It's quite intangible. Well, well, well that is the that is the thing that that I was I was kind of going to go on to say. Mm. They're not real. Yeah, the comments aren't real. Yeah, they don't. They they will never say it to you on the street. Like it just won't happen. No. So uh, I I had half of my career with it, and the good outweighs the bad, but the bad draws your eye. 
every single yep. time. A hundred positive comments online and you kind of put it to the side. Someone calls you an asshole and it's like, yep. it's, you, your eye just goes straight to it. And it's, um, you know, like, how do you, uh, it, it, it gave people the ability to engage with community without the medium of going through people, going through TV, going through whatever. So mm. yeah, I would say that for athletes, in, for athletes, it, it is in the in the weight of good and bad it is more good than bad yeah i mean i think you know back to simone biles i mean it's been a largely positive reception uh that she's received i think the only kind of people that have come out against it are people like piers morgan and novak djokovic i mean novak djokovic held a shirtless party in the middle of covid um, <laughs> so i'm not sure how much attention we should pay to him and like we've talked about too, Edo, is it's just the threshold for what constitutes outrage when you open up those clickbaity articles, like, you know, outrage over Biles um, withdrawing, and it's just two burner accounts with um, egg, face, uh, egg avatars. Going at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit of a still, still, Yeah, still six Fox Sports articles out of that, yeah. though. Just that little <laughs> burner interaction. Well, look, I think that at the end of the day, athletes are uh, extremely high-performing, diligent, disciplined, talented people. Um, but they're also very human, uh, and we've all saw the, you know, there can be some pretty heavy consequences for somebody that doesn't look after their mental health. And we would all, uh, I know, I know multiple people who have, who are doing it pretty bloody hard, especially with the, with the environment that we're now in. And as young Aussie blokes, you know, that, that's compounded exponentially because there are, there are, uh, parts of our, our, uh, our group, our community that, that don't know how to process stuff. So... I don't know. When we see someone make a call on that for their own mental health, maybe we just need to take a look at it and 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 put it into context and maybe learn a bit. Um, but I don't know. Like somebody, ninety percent of the people that are having a crack have never been on the stage that she has. She's one of the world's greatest gymnasts, and she will remain that way forever. I don't. Uh, you know what's who's. Piers Morgan yeah. going to be, and she's, she's got a, a gymnastics move named after her, and you're sitting on a couch eating potato chips and thirteen <laughs> followers on Twitter. Like that's not comparable. And it's also a bit of a bit of false logic to think, you know, I've I've worked my backside off for five years to get to this moment, and you know I'm just going to pull out now because I'm lazy. Um, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's obviously a good reason for it, but uh, whatever sells papers, APs. Yeah. Um, I think he's hacking this this uh, recording right now, so we'll, we'll get through it pretty quick. Um, so, mate, onto 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 business. So, you're involved with a new television program on SBS. Uh, it's it's exploring issues uh, around stigma and prejudice within society. Um, there's a couple of topics such as obesity, older Australians, and also disability, uh, which is where your episode will be will be screening on the 18th of August on SBS. Um, I noticed that. Uh, on a survey that is cited on the on the program, 72% of Australians agreed that people sometimes make fun of those with a disability. Do those statistics gel with your experience? M- maybe not even just your personal experience, but also perhaps what you've observed or what you've heard from other Australians with disabilities? Uh, 70 was higher than what I thought, um, but I knew it would be quite high. Uh, I, I've been around the community, my, my community, kids with disabilities especially, and they do talk about and ask whether or not I get picked on. They ask whether or not I was made fun of. They, they talk about how they feel when they feel like they're the only person that's getting to happen to live the life that they live. So, yeah, 
But that stat, as well as many others, as well as some of the experiments that we would take put through for the show, what does Australia really think about, it, it was even more challenging than what I thought. Um, uh, it, it's, it's so hard to put something together for my community because I do feel quite strongly that people with disabilities are, are part of my family and uh, the, the world of disability sport has just played a huge part in my life. Um, but sometimes you just need to have an honest conversation and, and, and bring some stuff out that, that most people would be really surprised at. And yep. maybe we can do something about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, just with the rise of social media, do you feel like it's getting tougher to have those conversations at the moment? I mean, never has, or from what I've seen, has awareness been greater, but um, you know, is it uh, programs like this that are going to help people to, you know, have that conversation and sort of remove the stigma? I do, I do find it funny because I could guarantee that when this comes to air, the same guys that would call me, uh, that would that would you know cheers for uh, for crawling Kakoda or uh, nice job on running marathons will call you what a winger talking about this sort of stuff. So it's it, social media again. It has its amazing benefits. Community, especially in times of isolation, and uh, you know bringing and and bringing parts of the community. Uh, uh, giving them a voice that maybe they wouldn't have had before. It also does allow for people to throw a few rocks. Um, look, look, I think that anything, any time you can get disability into uh, parts of the world that it hasn't been before and have an honest conversation about it, I, I think it's good. Because uh, at the end of the day, most people with disabilities, many people with disabilities, I know I did as a kid, I felt isolated. Uh, I felt stuck in my silo. I, yeah. I felt like I was the only one experiencing the, these these really common experiences. So even if it does that, even if another person with a disability sees this show and goes, shit, it's not just me, or, or even if it grabs that person that might feel sorry for, show pity for, uh, mock, uh, even if it shows them what that actually looks like from the other side, then we've won. Nicely said, mate. Um... Let's just, we'll wrap this up in a moment. Just uh, be good to actually, if you, if you don't mind, give us your, uh, maybe some insights into the Paralympics, which are coming up obviously after uh, the Olympics. I think they start on the 24th of August. Um, are there, who, who should we be watching? We're obviously, we, we're desperately in need of gold in Australia. We need gold medals to make us feel better as a society, especially in these troubling times. Who uh, from the Australian team can we, can we isolate? Bearing in mind, of course, all the things we said about social media and, and putting pressure on people. <laughs> uh, look, the, the guys that I can't wait to see, uh, Jared Clifford, he's a young guy out of Victoria, a runner in the 1500 metres and the 5,000. Uh, Riley Bat, he is, uh, 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 Jared is visually impaired. He's one of our blind athletes. Um, Riley Bat, he's going for his third consecutive gold medal in the wheelchair rugby. Amazing bloke, loose unit. Good bloke though. Um, <laughs> Larrikin. Uh, Madison Di Rosario in the athletics. Uh, she's the 800, 1500, 5000 and the marathon. Reed McCracken. Uh, Madison's going in as world champion. Uh, also across in the tenants, Dylan Orcott. He is trying to go the Golden Slam, having already won, having already won New York, 
No, what has he won? He's won Australian Open, Wimbledon, Paris, now going in for the, the Paralympic gold medal. Um, I'm trying to think of... There's every day Isis Holt, uh, defending gold medalist from Rio. Uh, and look, there's lots. We've got a really high-functioning Paralympic team. We punch in the top five in the world and have done since the... Uh, I think the last 40 years. So we've got lots of people out there, lots of stars, and the stories behind each of them, they're just amazing. Uh, Lots of character, lots of substance with each and every one of our guys. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. Look, it's been a real pleasure uh, to have you on the podcast today, mate. You're you're by far the most successful and credentialed person to appear on this show. Uh, so I hope you enjoy the rest of Tokyo 2020 and, and the Olympics and the Paralympics after that and all the best for the future. Thanks, guys. Take Thanks, care. Matt. So that's it for another episode of Have A Go Special Olympics coverage. We'll be back in your podcast feeds tomorrow with another fresh episode. Content blocked by the International Olympic Committee on copyright grounds. Content blocked again. Fuck, lads, get a license. Tokyo! Yeah!